flood our hearts, flood our lives. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's washed us clean. Not just covered things up, but washed us. Put sin in remission. Put us in forward movement. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, what an amazing sacrifice. We're so thankful. We're so grateful for the blood. The blood of the everlasting covenant. Washing us. Uniting us. Healing us. Delivering us. Setting us free. Binding up brokenness. Putting it back together like it was never broken in the first place. What only you can do. Thank you. Thank you for the day that we live in. The generation, the time. Thank you for utterance to speak forth. To boldly proclaim and make known. That which you planned for us in this season, this generation. Give us ears to hear that we might be impacted, not just in our mind, but to the depth of our spirit, that the Spirit of God might make it life. We'd have an encounter this morning with the Word of God, and in doing so, we empower the Spirit of God to begin a transformation that will never be the same. We choose that, God. We choose to submit to your Word. That we'll never be the same again. That we'll grow. There'll be change today. Whether a little or a lot, we'll realize change towards a depth of relationship with you that we've not had before. Not by our striving, but by yielding, believing your word, yielding to your spirit. So we're so thankful. We're so grateful for what you'll do in every heart and in every life to create the change necessary for each one to grow, to be influential in their sphere of influence, to be that light in the midst of darkness. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Look at somebody next to you. Say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 2. And uh, I'll have to move on here. That person who took the offering uh, took a little bit more time than they were allotted. And so they cut into my sermon time. We'll have to to deal with that uh, as we move forward. Malachi, the second chapter. Starting in the 13th verse, this is our foundational text. We read it from the Amplified Bible to bring some clarity and some some import to us. He says, and here's the second offense. Uh, We just talked about Malachi a little bit in the offering. Uh, The second offense, you fill the place of worship with your whining and your sniveling because you don't get what you want from God. Do you know why? Anybody here ever really been down and out, crying out to God because you didn't get what you wanted from God. A couple of us can be honest. Thank God. 
And so he said, it's simple. Why? Because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride, and now you've broken those vows, broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife. Somebody say covenant wife. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God, that's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. So we've spent a lot of time on much of this and and really the understanding of of the power of the covenant that's there. And uh, uh, today I just want to uh, finish up uh, our our 10 mindsets of marriage. And then in a couple of weeks after we have guests and stuff, I'm going to start a new series yet similar, but I believe we're going to dive a little deeper into, uh, 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 we'll just call it bound together, bound together. And so covenant relationships are those relationships that God makes. And so uh, hopefully I'll get a little bit of of time to introduce that uh, today. Don't know that offering person might have messed that up. But uh, let's just jump in. A mindset, again, talking about marriage mindset, a mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself or make sense of, in this case, marriage and yourself in marriage. It influences how you think, feel, and believe in any given situation. That means that what you believe about yourself in marriage or that type of relationship impacts your success or failure. Now, for everybody here who's single, that's like, I should just go home. We're talking about marriage. You have to understand the marriage covenant and how you have that. And, and just speaking of covenant and covenant language, you know, God says, I am a husband to the husbandless and a father to the fatherless. What's he talking about? Covenant terms. Covenant terms that if you don't have that person to covenant with, I'll covenant with you. Right? God just steps in and says, you know what? I have a divine legacy. And part of covenant is that legacy. So in in, in a child and their father, there should be a covenant bond. Not just a birth bond, a covenant bond. Right? To understand covenant, right? So we think of it. You ever heard that saying, blood is thicker than water? Blood is thicker than water. Well, throughout the scripture, if you look at it, water is a type of human childbirth. John chapter 3, Nicodemus came and said, how could I be born again? God said, what's born of water is water. What's born of water, what is flesh is flesh. But what's born of the spirit is spirit, right? He said, there's things that, that, that abide in the earth, the water, the blood, right? Natural, spiritual things. So what's he really saying? He's using a covenant term. Blood is thicker than water. A blood covenant partner is a deeper committed relationship than even family. See, we've always thought, oh, family's it. But they were actually talking about blood covenant. So when God says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, he was talking about covenant. So when we start to understand that covenant, begin to understand God covenant, what God promised, covenant Uh, things that take place. Then we understand that God promised through covenant to always show his covenant kindness or his covenant mercy. His mercy endures forever. The blood of the covenant, the blood of the bulls and goats is sprinkled where? On the mercy seat. 
so that by covenant, mercy triumphs over judgment. So people who understood this in the New Testament and understood blind Bartimaeus, when he cried out, he said, oh God, son of David, have mercy on me. What did Jesus hear? Jesus didn't just hear a poor blind beggar asking for mercy. He heard somebody who knew the covenant calling for covenant kindness. So Jesus had to stop, had to stop and show covenant kindness. Hmm. But see, we live in America in 2023. And we don't know much about covenant. How did David beat Goliath? When everybody else was paying attention to how tall he was and how big he was, David walked out and didn't look at his head. David looked right there and said, he has not been cut. Uncircumcised Philistine. This man has no covenant with God. So who are you to defy the covenant armies of God? As a covenant partner, I will slay you and cut your head off today. Man, that's what knowing covenant will do for you. pretty amazing. Yet we're like, oh man, I'm having trouble getting myself to get up and go to church. You got a covenant with God. You got a covenant with the people of God. But we don't understand covenant. So as we talk about these things, this mindset, you have a covenant with God. You might not be married, but you have a covenant with God. If you're hoping to be married, then respond in the same kind of manner in covenant with God so you're preparing for that threefold covenant when you have a spouse. So these, these things, these mindsets will help you, especially if you put them in covenant uh, type. So number one, we said that's the mindset problems or opportunities. Many times we, we just, you know, get in a fixed mindset. Problems are, are too difficult. Having problems suggests that we're not right for each other. That's a bad mindset. That's a fixed mindset. I just thought marriage was going to be easy. We were right for each other. God put us together. Okay, sarah, sarah. Everything should work out if we're right for each other. But God didn't make it that way. He made it so that you would actually come together being so different but fitting together so that you are a power union to be able to resolve the problems that come. So important to understand the power union that you have because when when the threefold cord, when one falls down, the other one helps them get up. So in other words, if you understand, there are problems sometimes that are created because of our own actions. But if we're truly living in the covenant bond with covenant kindness, covenant love, we're going to help our partner, our covenant partner, from making mistakes that create problems. So that's one way we're going to resolve problems is try to get it before it ever happens. And then secondly, the enemy hates marriage, so he's going to be coming to create problems to destroy. But fitting together means that with God, we have the solution to every problem. The enemy has no authority here. Because you can't divide us. So number one is believing that problems are actually opportunities 
when you have covenant. Number two, caring for yourself is not selfish. It can be selfish, but you can't give what you don't have. So everyone should build themselves up spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically in marriage. Doing what God's called you to do together in marriage can be exhausting. All right, sorry. I guess none of it's been exhausting for y'all. Listen, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But at least 50% aren't even making it to the finish line. So you have to take care of yourself spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically to be there, alert, aware, physically have the stamina to go the extra mile with your partner. All right, this is going over big. Number three, to love each other in all of its dimensions. We went through, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 last week. So right there, you know, we like it. It's a poet, poetic. We have it at weddings and all that stuff, but God didn't put it in there. The Holy Spirit didn't have Paul write it down as a poem for us to enjoy. It was for us to learn, to pull in, to describe something other than human emotional love. To describe the love, the very character of the nature of God that is in us that would bind us together in covenant love. So when we pay attention to it, we can see right there. Boy, if we're bound together, we can bear all things. We can believe the best in every situation. We can have an expectation of things to come. Don't have to say, well, this is it. No, I expect change. I expect better than we're living in right now. Because we're bound together in God's covenant of love. It hopes all things, believes all things, and it endures all things. This covenant love never fails. It never ceases being. Well, I just don't think I love them anymore. Come on, if you're a believer, you got the resource on the inside. Well, I just fell in love with somebody else. No, you didn't. You fell in love with yourself. You went to satisfy your own desire away from your spouse. Don't blame it on somebody else. Come on. Love is patient. Love is kind. I know everybody's like, hmm, I'm thinking that person doesn't love very much. Just stop it. Look in the mirror. It's very difficult for me to preach when you think something like that and I hear it. it takes me on a tangent. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't account for wrongs done to it. Love is not arrogant. It's not boastful. It's not prideful. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it always rejoices in the truth. 
All we have to do is look in the mirror of the word and say, how am I doing walking in love? We live with a, a human mindset of love. Sometimes we come into marriage. We, we get that infatuation that blinds us to everything else. And then we think that we're in love. But when the rubber meets the road, when we have to be patient, when we have to be kind, when it's not all about us, it's about them. When it, something happens and we feel like we're wrong, how do we get over it? And it's not working too good because even the body of Christ does not understand the power of the covenant love and the nature of God. They have a human love that says, this is too hard for me, but there is nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too hard when you're walking in the love, covenant love of God because it bears all things. It believes all things. It has an expectation of moving beyond this into the plan that God has. So I'm looking at you and seeing what God sees about you. We can overcome this situation. Number four, intimacy is the key. Not sex. Man, everybody starts to look around for physical reasons and get themselves all looking good for physical companionship. That's not all there is. There's intimacy. We fit together. We have to think about intimacy. Well, what is it? It's that fellowship. It's that koinonia. It's that interchange. We're opposite of one another, but we fit together. It's designed to fit. How are we going to fit together so tight? Well, intimacy. So we have to be able to figure out how to share our hearts, our thoughts, and our emotions with one another without it being one-sided or the other and without it getting out of control and out of the realm of obedience to God. Just having drama for drama's sake. But to say, here's what's on the inside of me. These are my thoughts. These are my dreams. These are my hopes. And listening to the other person and saying, wow, these seem different. But they're not really. They fit together to make a whole picture of a vision under God that looks powerful. Amen. And so that really to have a union actually precedes Sex, although sex or, or covenant relationship in the physical is very important. He said it's really a, a sign of that covenant. He said, you know, if you look at it throughout all scripture, one thing that in every aspect of sin against God is there on every front, it's sexual immorality. We're like, why? Well, it's not that big a deal. It's a huge deal because it's covenant. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, what are you doing? Giving this temple of God over to a harlot. Don't you know that the two of you will become one flesh? He said, you're joining the temple of God to a harlot. It's a type and a shadow of you're taking your life, making a decision to give it to the world instead of giving it to me. I said, don't do that, because this is so valuable. So the enemy attacks anything that God puts high value on. So let me put it maybe in crude terms, supply and demand. If you understand supply and demand, right? If something is very rare and very precious, value goes up. So God said this sexual intimacy of one flesh is with one man, one woman. And it becomes rare. Therefore, the value of it is out the roof. 
Whoo! When you honor the value of that, God's like, whoo, man, I'll fashion something that will be, the devil will just look at and go, wow, they're unstoppable. They continually, when they're trying to work out disagreements, come back together and say, we're in covenant. We're one together. Causes the legacy to be handed down. If it's over and over and over and there's offspring all over, it's tough to hand the legacy down. But when it's in the line and the bloodline, God sees it so valuable and precious. So what did the enemy come? He deceived our minds to say, it's available anytime, anywhere. But you know, if something's available anytime and anywhere, it's of low value. And he'll deceive you into thinking, oh, it's okay and it will cost me nothing. But in reality, it could cost you everything. Come on, man. It's just sex. No, it's not. That's what the devil would like you to think. The importance of it. You need to know the importance of it. Certainly, if you're married, you might not want to think about it right in the process. It might make you overload. But to know how precious and valuable it is will set you apart. So intimacy leads to a depth. If we just think of it as sex, if, we just, if I just have the right physical partner for sex and that's enjoyable, that should be okay. No, marriages are being destroyed all over because that's what people looked at first and foremost instead of whether or not we fit together in the things that God's put us together. All right, number five. How are we doing? Y'all are a little quiet. Number five, relationships have a life of their own. Come on, your relationship has a life of its own, right? Your relationship with God has a life of its own. God says there's something unique about this covenant. It's the same, but it's different. Many members, yet one body. A husband and a wife, totally unique. How does a man and a woman, different genders, different giftings, different upbringings, different cultural uh, uh, things to come together, how do they fit together as one? He said, it's a great mystery. This will puzzle you for a long, long time. But if you begin to realize, listen, God, we sought God in this. God put us together, and, and, and our differences actually fit just perfect to make us a whole. I mean, really, when God started the family, and, and he saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone, he took half of Adam. And when he started that, Adam was half the man he used to be. And so there's thing, there were things in her that God had to bring back to him in order for there to be a fullness. And so as times progressed, we're looking to find out who's that, who's that person that has the other half of me. But not only that, when he brings us together in this new creation reality of marriage, wow, it bursts forth more than just the other half of me. It multiplies many times. And that's what happens when you come together. Something supernatural happens like the new birth. Something is created that never existed before. Your family, 
you just started a family in covenant with God. So it's unique, but it's the same. We all have unique relationships, but it's the same. It's the covenant marriage that God designed. It's like the body. We're all members in particular, but when we're united, we're the same body. He said, it's covenant. You have to figure it out by covenant. You can't figure it out with just your brain. God has to reveal it to you. So, you know, Tasha and I have a unique relationship that we have to take the principles of marriage and apply it to. We have unique upbringings. We have our personalities are, are very strong. I know anybody who, who knows her uh, thinks she's just so sweet, but she's really strong. Not that she's not sweet. She's super strong. And I didn't really, I mean, I knew some of that, but when we got married, I did not know how much. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, later we, we studied a lot of things, but here recently in, in, in COVID, you know, we took a personality, not a personality test, a behavioral test from a, a leader. He does this all over the nation. He does it with pro uh, athletes and teams and large corporations. We got in on a, a deal at COVID, so we decided we would do it, and then we would see if we liked it and, and present it to our staff. And so we took this survey uh, assessment, and you know, we had a good time. He taught us some things before that, and then uh, we did the survey. He got the results back. We had the next Zoom meeting. Uh, we go on to Zoom, have the niceties. How are you doing? What are you doing? Well, let's look at your assessment. He says, congratulations. You're married to yourself. <laughs> huh. Now, we've had a little piece of that revelation through different things, you know, studying marriage things and coming out with the same thing, you know, uh, near the same thing. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, some of the things I'm like, I can't even have the guy part myself. You have that. Um, <laughs> emotionally, mentally, not physically. Um, and so, um, <laughs> saying, uh, just unless somebody goes weird on me. So anyway, so we're like, wow. He said, uh, things must get pretty exciting around there. And uh, I like to say it gets pretty colorful. So we all in our relationship, it has a life of its own. You have your own color, your own flavor in your marriage. So you have to look and understand we have those things that are alike. And if we don't, if we don't uh, deal with those things in a way that helps us work together uniquely, we can't just take the specific formula. It won't exactly work for us. So we have to see our, our marriage has a life of its own. Does it have to submit to the law of the covenant of God? Yes. But we don't have to be like somebody else. We have to be who God put us together to be. Can't be like somebody else. See, so often we're trying to be like somebody else. Well, it'll look the same in the covenant aspect, but God puts you together uniquely to accomplish things together that you could not do apart, to touch realms and families that others wouldn't touch by your relationship together. So every relationship has a life of its own, all right? Number six, you can't change your spouse. Can't change your spouse. Talked about this. You know, we're always judging, tempt to point the finger at each other. But if you see all that in your spouse, you need to check that you're not just looking at the board in your own eye. If you have a board in your own eye, all you can see is the wood grain that's before you. And you'll try to change them based on the wood grain that's before you. 
So many people spend their entire married life trying to change their spouse. And unconsciously, what we're doing is we're trying to make them more like us. But you married them because they weren't like you. You saw you needed something that wasn't like you. You had weaknesses. But then, without lack of knowledge of covenant, how that fits together, you're trying to convince them that you're always right. They should be right like you. I know people, listen, I can hear that. You're going to divert me. Keep that. Yeah, but I am always right. (laughs) Well, love's not proud. So walk in love. I'm always right. I mean, I know you're saying that, but I really am always right. Well, no, you're not. You can schedule some counseling if you really believe that. But (laughs) praise the Lord. So we're always trying to change them to be like us, but God said, don't. You got married because you saw things in them that weren't like you. Learn to fit that together instead of trying to change that. So you can have the strengths that God ordained for you to have, but if they become more like you, you'll have all the same weaknesses that you had before you got married. All right, that went over big. Number seven, make marriage a priority. Make marriage a priority. Sometimes we, don't, we just go about it not thinking too much. Think we got, we got married, you know, however long ago. We're married, that's okay. But you have to make it a priority. You have to put it first. God puts it first. We read in Malachi, his spirit's in every detail of your marriage. He puts it first in every detail of your marriage. How you feel about a situation in your marriage, how you feel about your spouse, what you think about your spouse, how you respond to your spouse, the money in your marriage, the kids in your marriage, what you're called to do in your marriage. He's in every detail of it. It's priority to him that this covenant works out because he ordained it. He loves it. He has a plan for it to move forward in great power and reflection of who he is. And we're like, yeah, if I can get some time to work on it. You know, most people don't have time for their marriage until somebody decides it's over. And then they promise to make time, but it's hard to believe that they will because they didn't. Got to make time. Got to buy books. Got to go to small groups. Got to learn. I don't understand why that's happening. Do you ever know that they speak a different love language than you? Marriage counseling, you know, I get in there, if somebody's in there and they're like, I don't know why they do what they do. If it was me, I would. And everything I do for them, they don't seem to appreciate it. If someone did what I do for them, for me, I would love it. I mean, immediately, they just put a big flag. Here's what's wrong. You're loving them like you want to be loved instead of loving them like they need to be loved. Oh, well, what do they need? They need to be loved in a way that they understand love, not the way you understand love. Well, I didn't know that because you didn't make marriage a priority. Okay. We're having too much fun. Number eight, forgiveness and gratitude make for a happy marriage. Forgiveness and gratitude. 
Make for a happy marriage. So Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, while you stand praying, while you stand praying in the same prayer that you're moving mountains, bless God, I'm speaking to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. I don't doubt it, God. I believe what I say. Mountain, move. I'm believing I'm standing. Why is the mountain not moving? He said, if you're not seeing the mountain move while you're standing, praying, speaking, believing, take account as to whether you have anything against anybody. Because if you have anything against anybody and you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. And if I can't forgive you, I can't get active in participating in moving your mountain. So, you know, I'm just going to be a little transparent. Try not make it about me, but just I can't. If I made it about you, you'd get offended. <laughs> so I've had a little bit of difficulty through my life in this area. You know, it's just, it, it's there. It's not, you know, maybe other people, they, they hate people or they, they just soon bad things happen. I don't have that issue. You just pick stuff up. He said nothing against anyone. So every now and then I feel like I'm not making any progress. And too many times then I want to be able to admit, you know, he says, well, you picked this up. You picked this up in that situation against that person. I'm like, man. So, you know, he's been ministering to me about it, you know, in years past. So I thought I had that, that pretty well taken care of. And when I, when I did forgave, let the, just let that go. I'm not, I'm not going to, if I recognize it, you know, I'm going to pick that up. You know, I'm not going to pick that up anymore, you know. So there's times I come and I'm like, God, what's going on? He said, will you pick that up? I'm like, oh, that's picking it up? He's like, yep. And I'll go, well, wait a minute, somebody or anybody who... And he's like, we're not talking about anybody. We're talking about you. So I'm like, oh, man, okay. So she, you need to put that down. Nothing against anybody. So I thought, I got this great breakthrough. I got a great breakthrough. So I'm going through, and I was having this stall out. I was having some difficulty. I'm praying. I'm like, God, come on now. Well, it feels like, but I've done inventory. I don't have anything against anybody. And he said, except for your wife. He said, you've let this over the years get to the point that then when something happens, right away it jumps up into your mind. She always does that. She acts that way. Now, if you think that's not picking up something against so you can utilize it in an argument, then you are wrong. I said, oh, my God. Then we're going to have to let this go. So I had to release it to him. So in the first service in that particular time, I released that to him, went home that afternoon, and she said the exact same thing that triggers that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And you know what I did? Played right into it. So I had to come back the next morning knowing what it was going to be like. I know somebody's like, you waited till the next morning. I know I'm the pastor, but on that one, I waited till the next morning. I didn't get quick to forgive. I was like, yeah. You know, getting ready to come in and pray in the morning, I'm like, this isn't going to be good. But it was good because I had to unload it, give it to him. 
Because, see, life's too short. I believe the word of the Lord came out first service. It's too short. Time's going to start speeding up. Things are going to move at a faster pace. There's divine appointments, divine assignments that you can't be late to. And you can't be carrying baggage. The church is going to have to be swift enough to be on time and empowered enough to carry a load through, not be weighed down and slowed down. It's time to forgive. Let go. Gratitude. When you let go of all that, all of a sudden you become thankful. When you're carrying baggage, you're like, why God? I don't have anything to be thankful for. Oh, it's so tough. It's so hard. But the moment you let all that baggage go, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Wow, I see things different. I see potential. I see life. It's not everybody's fault anymore. I can see it's been forgiven. It's been released. I'm so thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice in the Lord always. No, he says, uh, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and in everything. Somebody say everything. Everything give thanks. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Some people are like, what's God's will for my life? To rejoice, pray, and give thanks. No, I mean his will for my life. To rejoice, pray, and give thanks. No, you know what I mean, his will. That is his will. If you want to access the rest of his will, you have to rejoice, pray, give thanks. When you do that in your marriage and towards your marriage, it'll start to make a happy marriage. Number nine, work on the sanctity of your marriage. Sanctity means set apart, sanctified, holy unto God. Start working on getting your marriage out of just the normal everyday thing. Start separating it out as something holy to God, something special to God, something God planned, God ordained, to see it like God sees it. Something powerful, something that he can utilize with him. You're moving, being a divine reflection to God. Look at it as something holy, not something you decided to get involved in. Something that has to be your way, but set apart unto God's divine purpose and holy. Number 10, focus on what you have. Too often, it's too easy to start thinking about and thinking, what don't we have? But you really can't do anything about what you don't have. But you can take what you do have, big or small, and consecrate it to God, and God will do something amazing with it. Amazing and supernatural with it. So if we can get ourselves to thinking like this, from a covenant perspective, maybe you won't remember but two of these. We'll work on those. But if you wrote them down, you can start thinking, how do I think about my marriage? What's my mindset about my marriage? How is it giving me success or failure? How am I going to put these things into practice in a covenant way to have the marriage that God ordained for me to have? My whole goal was not to just talk at you today, but to communicate my heart. I believe that as we go into this and we begin to talk even more about covenant and the understanding of covenant, it's going to be divinely important. One person I was, I've been studying covenant, one minister said this, uh, defining covenant. 
It's a divinely created bond. A divinely created bond by God. And in that, like we said, you have an umbrella that covers you. It's in covenant. There's a covering and it's warranted. Covenant in God. All the covenant relationships of God have their warranty. God backing it. You know what a warranty is. You buy something, an appliance or something, and then you open up. How many of you read the warranty when you buy something? There's only about three people in two services that actually read the warranty. And really, listen to me. You know why? Because we've made things so disposable. You figure if it breaks down, I'll just get rid of it and buy a new one. When we start understanding covenant, we don't want to think that way. See, we've gotten into marriage, and we thought, you know what? If this doesn't work right, I'll just get rid of it and get a new one. But that goes against God because we're not thinking covenant. But when you read the warranty, the manufacturer puts a warranty. He says, this is what we put together. This is why we put it together. We believe we put it together well. If you use it like it's supposed to be utilized, then we will guarantee it. We will back it. We will fix it. We will replace it. We'll do whatever so it works like it's supposed to work and blesses you like it's supposed to bless you. But if you do certain things with it, you void the warranty. We will not back it. We will not protect it. We will not do it because you took it outside of the function it was designed to work in. So when God ordains covenant, he warranties it. But when we go outside of that covenant, we void the warranty. And then all kinds of chaos ensues. And so we have chaos in many areas of life, but we never read the terms of the warranty of the covenant. So we're going to dig a little deeper into covenant in the next couple of weeks. I asked the first service to do this. I, I believe with all of my heart it's important. I want to communicate to you these things. Oh, by the way, I just thought of this from last service. It'll, it'll just be a good way to end. You know, talking about communication. This guy lived in Chicago. He and his wife lived in Chicago. Had a place in Florida in the winter. It got really cold in Chicago. He was up there. She was on a business trip. So he decided, I'm going to leave a day early to get down to Florida to enjoy the sunshine. And then I'll just let her know uh, on her business trip so then she can come tomorrow. So he got to Florida and he forgot her email address. So what he thought was the email address, he sent out. Unfortunately, had the email of a pastor's wife whose husband had just died the day before. And so she's there mourning, and she reads the email. And the email said this. First of all, uh, he said, I arrived today. Second, uh, she fell on the floor, so people came. She was upset, fell on the floor, so people came to read it. So they read it, and the, now I'm messing it up. I got it good the first time. <clears throat> so they read it. The first line said, I arrived today. Next line said, look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Then it said, P.S., it's really warm down here. So we want to be good in our communication. <laughs> my whole goal is to communicate. I believe with all of my heart that some of this that we have 
is a lack of knowledge. And Hosea said, my people perish or they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge of the covenant that we possess, that we live in, that we operate in. In our marriage and in our life and in our relationship with God, in our relationship with the church. We don't honor the principles of covenant. We get outside of the warranty, chaos is ensuing, but we have no idea what's going on because we don't have an understanding of covenant. So at least for a little bit of time this fall, I want to talk about covenant. I don't want you to miss it. With all my heart, I don't want you to miss it. I believe it'll make a a dynamic change in your relationships, your relationship with God, your understanding of the relationship you have with God. I believe there's going to be miracles and breakthrough take place that have been hindered simply, simply because a lack of knowledge. The enemy's found a place to get in because we thought we knew, but we didn't understand covenant. So I'm going to ask you two things. I'm going to ask you to come. I believe it's important. I'm your pastor. I believe God's dealing with us because 2024 has something big in it. We've been praying into the two years. As I said, there's divine appointments, divine assignments that are upon us. But if we're burdened down, we're off track because of covenant. But in those divine assignments, I believe that God's ordained signs and wonders and miracles. There's a place where we can call out to God in covenant knowledge and access things that pertain only to covenant that God will act upon just like that. Not because of our need, not because we're all down and out, but because we understand the covenant that we walk in. And then I'm going to ask you when you attend to move up front. To fill in. I tried to get down on the floor because I want to be closer to you. There's an aspect of draw on that that draws on the Spirit of God. When you sit clear to the back, I'm an old coach. If you're in left field, I'm going to yell. Say, well, you're magnified. I know, but my brain doesn't register. You're just a long ways away, so I need to yell. There's also something in that covenant relationship that we join together that I believe God's going to do something. I got down on the floor, but somebody told me they couldn't see me. I thought I was tall enough, but the person in front of them was tall enough to block the view. So, to stand up here for clarity, but also be close enough, because I like to be close to you. I'm just asking you to come, to participate, to clear your schedule if you can. Because I believe through November and the beginning of December, we're going to talk about covenant. It's going to change the way you look into the new year. You have vision. Your relationship with God, your relationship with others will be deeper. It'll be stronger. We'll understand covenant relationship in marriage with God and in the church. And it'll be so powerful that I believe it's going to release an anointing that God has said is to be in this place. Can't be in this place with strife. Can't be in this place with offense. Can't be in this place unless we're joined in the understanding of covenant. But it'll benefit everybody. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. I thank you for this people. Now is the time in our generation. We are the people. This is a place where the Spirit of God can minister and can move. I declare it. Move on every heart in life, I pray. Bring a greater understanding as you lead us into these things to talk about the depth of relationship 
of family that you ordained from the very beginning and brought us in and legacy and the church and all that has to do with the family in heaven and on earth. God, impact our lives, anoint each one, lead and guide us into that which you have prepared for us. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us on a daily basis, that we might be changed, prepared for every good work that you have for us. I thank you for it. I thank you for the things you've spoken over this people, over this place, the victory that you've ordained that we have, that we no longer just live average and mundane, but we live above the fray. We are, as you said, lifted high above the nations, the people around us, as we involve ourselves and obey covenant. Holy Spirit, deal with all of our hearts, all of our lives, in such a powerful way that we see what's coming. And each one of us is empowered to participate in the great harvest and revival that has already begun. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, altar workers will be up here to stand and pray with you. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.